Greetings, Dysfunctionals. Dr. Ernesto here back with the crew to talk about the Chicano Latino representation in movies and in the digital world. The question of normalization is important in terms of how we want to see ourselves on the big screen and the little screen. That question, as several of our crew puts forward, is do we mean normalized brownness within white society, an action which has a multitude of implications around assimilation and the perpetuation of colonialism, or normalized within a pro-indigenous decolonial frame where Chicanos and other Latinos take creative control of the storytelling process and make stories for us, by us? You be the judge. Leave a comment and let us know what you think. Okay. Hey, everyone. Ernesto Morales from Prescott, Arizona, ready to chop it up. Carolina Sanchez coming from SoCal. Francisco Lopez from Mobile. Cecilio Lara, Detroit Metro. Carlos coming from San Antonio, Texas. Alex Lozada coming from the East Coast. Uh, Danny Sosa, Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, Ryan Delgado coming from the Lansing area. All right. So this week we're going to be looking a little bit at uh, Latinos and pop culture, specifically thinking about a representation in cinema and TV shows that we're watching right now. Does anybody want to kick us off? So I think like my introduction to Latinos in media and film is Dora. I think my whole life I've been been I've like heard comments of like, oh my god, you look like Dora or Dora Dora whatever. One annoying, two very racist. But that was like my introduction and like I personally am a very big nerd and a very big geek. I like going to Comic-Con, I like comics, I like film, I like movies, I love video games. And so, you know, in recent times, like seeing more Latinx folks on film, wherever it may be, like it's been really cool. And especially as someone who's a geek and who's a nerd, seeing them in superhero films and like those all those kind of things that I really like. It's been nice, but it is definitely like the one comment I get the most is definitely like, oh my God, Dora. And I'm like, oh God, stop, please. So Carolina, I was literally going to start somewhere very similar. And then I was like, do we have to like, I was nervous to start with cartoon type of like media. But when I think of it, I think of Disney and how when I was younger, I always watched Disney movies. Like I would just sit there and watch princess movies or watch like, but you know, the Disney classics and we didn't really have a princess like the closest thing that and I and this was my favorite Disney movie growing up was Pocahontas even though that story is totally like <laughs> ripped apart and and like bastardized to be to be what it is but I know there is like some sort of show it's like Elena and she's a princess but it's a very low quality like like Latinx representation and I just think about that like when it comes to you know something so pivotal in all of our childhoods like we just got gypped. I feel like the only movie that I can think of is The Road to El Dorado. Like, I love that movie, but it's centered around, like, two white colonizers. Like, looking yes. back at it, I'm like, ooh. I'm like, and it has your oh, traditional sexualization of the yeah, Latino community. Yeah. The Legend of El Dorado comes from Colombia. So when I saw that, I was, like, so horrified that that movie was horrible. And, you know, it's funny because the Disney princesses, I've never seen Pocahontas. I don't think I ever want to. My kids don't like that. They're like, it's too much singing, you know, in, movie, in the movies. But it was funny because I never really identified with any of the princesses, but I did identify with, you know, the bad women, right? And if you think a lot of them, they're, they're it's the evil witch or whatever. So I always wanted to be, you know, <laughs> The octopus lady and Little Mermaid. Ursula. <laughs> Ursula. Ursula yes. <laughs> I loved Ursula. And I'm like, that's me. Like, you know, my coming out for you, right? And, and yeah, so anyway, and I love the evil Ursula's stepmother, right? And and they were always like brunettes, right? They were always a little darker and like gray, if you remember them in the Disney film. So that's everything in life though. Like dark is bad and light is good. Chess. You, you know, there's white and there's black and, you know, all of the, the evil villains in cartoons, they're, they have dark features and they're ugly and it's, you know, we're taught like at a very young age, like dark is bad. 
I mean, you guys at least had Dora, which I think was an attempt to be kind of positive. I mean, I grew up with. I mean, it's definitely a positive TV show. I think just because it was the only theme, and people are like, "Oh, well, you're dark skinned Latina, then you are Dora." We had, yeah, no, for sure. That's not Dora shit. We had Speedy Gonzalez and we had Speedy Gonzalez and Slowpoke Rodriguez. Yeah, Speedy Gonzalez has really racist parts to it. Slowpoke was a drunk mouse who slept all day. (laughs) 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 I mean, you guys remember this? He might have just had a condition. He might have just had a condition that made him like that. Give him a break, man. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, he had a condition, all right. It was called the bottom of the bottle. That's that's the condition. Borracho. Yeah. Yeah. I know, oh, but, you but now. are we swimming in stereotypes that's much? Disorder. I mean, uh, you know. Totally. Well, I think that, you know, part of the thing is, is if, if you really look at when, you know, movies are, are being made, like, you know, over the past 100 years, I mean, Hollywood has definitely gone through different periods, right? And so like, you know, when movies are first being created, you know, there's this, uh, they're really going in on the the gentleman, you know, the whole Zorro thing. It really mirrors politics of the country, right? So like right in the 20s and the 30s, this is when like the greaser, the bandito, you know, because at the same time, what's happening are these mass repatriations of uh, Mexican citizens, you know, and so they're creating this like, persona for Mexicans. And then, you know, you get into uh, the 40s, right? In the 40s during World War II, the United States enacted this policy that they call the good neighbor policy, where they uh, were specifically trying to be nice to Mexico and other Latin American countries because they didn't want them to join the fascists. Big bad uh, communists. Yeah, exactly. Well, the fascists, right? Not, not the yeah. communists, the fascists. You know, but it, it kind of keeps going through that. And then, I mean, you know, it moves us up into the into the 50s and the 60s. And so, like, the 50s is, like, this whole thing, like, you know, Ricardo Monteblan and the singing and the Latin lover and all that. And then, you know, as we get into the 60s, things, you know, begin to change quite a bit in terms of this is really the first time when Latinos, particularly Mexicans in the United States, um, really start making films about themselves. And so um, this is, you know, the narrative expands quite a bit. At that point, I mean, you look at some of these initial ones, like in the 70s, although this movie wasn't written by uh, a Mexican, it was actually written by a Japanese guy, but this one, Boulevard Nights, which was a huge movie, you know, at the time. Um, it was all about like low riding culture, you know, in um, in Los Angeles. But it was written by a guy named Dennis Nakano, who was a Japanese dude who grew up with Chicanos and actually was a part, his family was imprisoned uh, during World War II as um, in uh, Japanese uh, concentration camps. And so uh, this Nakano guy is really interesting. Boulevard Nights is really interesting. Lots of protests against it. But I think it really speaks to this whole idea of how we're represented, right? Is it a reflection or a projection? You know, I think that as we look at all of these movies, even the ones that are coming out now, I'm gonna go out on a limb, but if they're not written by Latinos, then they're a projection because I don't think that white people, white people don't have the ability to write us in a way that ultimately makes us responsible for the things that happen in the stories that they're telling. That's what I'm trying to say. I think that's fair to say, you know, but at the same time, I mean, is the goal to be represented in the mainstream? I mean, I know we don't want to be misrepresented in the mainstream, but I think a little bit of it is laziness because I can go on Netflix right now and tell you three to five movies that probably none of you have ever seen, made by Latinos, all Latino cast, that were amazing movies. Well, that's Great because movies. right now what's hot on Netflix is the Cholo and like no, things like not, On not My a Block. Single one of them, not a single one of them will have a, a Cholo in I love them. On My Block, though. I'll, I'll, I'll I do, do too. right now. But uh, it is so heavily. I know, but I guess what I'm saying, Dan, is that yeah. those things are overshadowed because what is hot right now is that whole cholo representation that's kind of what people are obsessed seemingly like what they're obsessed with right now to like latinx culture but i mean is the goal to control that or just keep keep producing our own representation well i think that i think it should be a mix well i think it should be a mix i think that cecilia is right although i would take what she said just one step further and say that that is the dominant representation like people have been obsessed with that for maybe about the past 40 or 50 years but i that aside, I think that what you're saying is right on target. 
like for some reason we hit this this bump and then we can't get past this bump right it's like being a maid or you know being you know like a, a you know like a housekeeper or a groundskeeper or whatever right like it's just this is it this is as far as as we've gotten but do our people as a whole just pay attention to the what you see in the mainstream or you do go actively seek out um movies made by latinos about latinos with correct representation because i do that's what i go seeking out and that's what i watch i so. do too and i think it's also when we talk about like who are who's actually writing them producing yeah. them and directing them right yep. like you talk about the maid or the nanny right roma was a really great movie that came from that perspective, but it was really about her. It wasn't about the family that she was serving. It was like about her and her life and her experiences, which was great. What movie? Right? Like that, in Roma. 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 Okay. Yeah. I think that's different though, because there is a huge difference in like Latino films produced in Latin America and then Latino films produced in the United Absolutely. States. Absolutely. And Whoa. I was gonna say, like, as we oh, move further you. away from like. But First it's gen here. Film. You're talking, but that's it's not a foreign film, right? Which, which part is not a foreign film? film? It's as foreign as you want to let it want to make it. Wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's not a foreign film? I don't think that Roma was a foreign film. I mean, oh. it have, may have been in Spanish, but I don't think it was. I don't. When I look at it, I don't see it as a foreign film. Was right? it made in this country? I it was made probably in not. But so was Fast and the Furious made in this country? I don't know. Was it? That I don't know. I literally now. don't know. I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Japan. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know where else. But before we wow, move that's on, a really good point. Though, if I get us to st- take a step back, I just want to b- bring up Villa Alegre because that was my first introduction. Did any of you, I used to wake up at six o'clock in the morning on Saturdays to watch Villa Alegre. Have any of you watched that? I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it. Villa Alegre, right? It was mm-hmm. actually produced, you know, talking about, you know, producing our own interpretations, our own perspectives. It was, I believe the first season was actually produced by uh, Moctezuma Esparza, you know, and it was produced through bilingual children's television, which was uh, part of PBS. And I think that's very important, you know, because PBS was, it has been, and maybe I'm not sure if they still are a great innovator today in bringing that outside perspective or the historical perspective to a lot of, uh, a lot of topics, but I remember Villa Alegre, you know, it was a bilingual program, right? And it was about a little village, a little town, a little neighborhood. That was my first, you know, introduction to uh, Latinos in the US. I guess to take it even a step further, um, like back, like I think of, I went to uh, school and learned heavily about like music and theater and all that we have really until more recently that we have some more, uh, you know, like Latino playwrights was uh, West Side Story and how like the main actors weren't even, like in the movie uh, recreation, like not even Latino. And Oh yeah, because Margarita Moreno is, like talks about it is the fact that like, you know, she didn't really know any better because she wanted to get her foot in the door, but they yeah. painted all of the Puerto Ricans darker. Yes. Like, that's so fucked up. So I want to I'm, live in America. <laughs> so that's like an elitist form of media where, you know, many people like don't even have access to go see like Broadway show or a theater. And we're not even, you know, being represented at that time. And that's the and I agree. I agree. That's messed up. Okay. And it's, you know, it's horrible. It's all this. It's all that. But at the same time, I mean, what's, you know, what's the end goal here? What? So all of a sudden, if there's a mainstream movie that correctly portrays us as a people, is that some kind of a victory? I mean, somebody's I still so. going to be making money, money off of it. That's not I think us. the big thing going forward, too, is. But, um, but, but that I've, kind of rep, but the correct representations out there, if you look for it, it's not going to be in the mainstream media but but, made by us and produced by us. Yeah, but it Netflix also is mainstream and there's movies there. I mean, the the total result may not be something that's grand, but ultimately, like, I know when I see female, like, Latino po- uh, politicians, I'm just like, oh, like, they look like me. And so if I see someone in a movie that's mainstream and that's out there that people are, like, talking heavily about and, like, the main character looks like me and acts like me, like, that's pretty dope. Yeah, I, 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 I just I want that. my I, I want that. my like, existence. 
I'm a big Star Wars fan, right? So when Diego Luna was in Star Wars, I thought that was pretty cool, right? That was really cool, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I'm not going to, I guess, celebrate it maybe as much because I just don't see necessarily the value in in trying to be accepted by the mainstream because we're never going to be fully accepted by the mainstream. Oh, no, it's so, very you know, defeatist. It's not, I mean, yeah. Well, no, it isn't because, in my opinion, we're producing great art, great film, and great representation of our own self. Why do we seek that validation by the mainstream? I think that there, there are increasingly more movies that just don't have a bunch of white kids in it when I go watch them. It's just not a bunch of white women that I'm watching, right? White families. And just thinking about like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like yes, that, my boy Miles. Ugh. That was an amazing movie, right? Really current it was good. Afro-Latino kid, right? Yeah. A Dominican or Puerto Rican mom, like a black dad. And and it was great. And so I think it's movies like that that I would like to have more out there. You know, I agree with you 100%, Alex. And that's when this whole conversation began. That's who I was thinking about. I was thinking about Miles Morales. But more importantly, oh, I think this is, to the point, this is to the point that I think Danny's trying to get across to. But then I thought about my grandson. Little Lorencito, and he's a big Spider-Man fan. You know, always got his Spider-Man suit on. And, you know, he's an Afro-Latino. And wow, what a great impact that he can identify with this character, you know? And he's so cute to go around and like, he'll be like, I'm Miles. Like, exactly. Yeah, he looks like me and it's just oh, heartwarming. Yeah, okay, I think so that's, that's a great impact. But here's my other- played Miles Morales. I don't know who um, did play Miles Morales. Was he Afro-Latino? I think, yeah, I actually think he was. I don't think so. Maybe I'm getting ahead, but I like what Danny's talking about. We really have to make that effort to search out, you know, and support our community in order for that, for, for the media and our ability to produce media to grow. So right away, I started thinking about, well, what about El Rey Network? Roberto Rodriguez, you know, that's mm -hmm. his network. Yeah. Spy Kids, totally. right? You can't not look but at Spy Kids that. was set in Spain. I was so disappointed, so disappointed when I was reading the Wikipedia on Spy Kids. And now I always thought growing up, there were all a whole bunch of Latinos. So I was like, hell yeah, Spy Kids. And it's, it's all in Spain. Like, it's not the same. It like deteriorates like some of the love I had for it. Because, of, because of where they filmed it? I well, mean, no, because it's it's set in like about Spain rather than it was set in about Latinos and like in Mexico. The the Roberto Rodriguez ones with the kids. I always yeah. thought they were very Mexican. No, it's it's Spanish. It is a purely Spanish movie. I don't. That's why I get mad at Guillermo del Toro too, because that fool makes movies for white folks, and he's like a white like. Ugh, I get mad at Guillermo del Toro because like he does oh, so no, much stuff of like he is the Mexican person. Like, he is one of the Mexican three, like the three amigos and stuff like that. And then he just like, produces and writes a whole bunch of stuff about white people for white people, not yeah, necessarily. I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't put Robert Rodriguez in that category at all. Uh, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, no, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's the movies. same, like, I had the same shock and the same, like, upsetness because I'm like, you know, I always thought when I was little that it was, like, about people like me that were Latino and that, like, you know, and then when I read and then I saw that it wasn't, that's about people from Spain, that was about white people, that I got frustrated. And I have that same frustration with Guillermo del Toro. I think yeah, I might have to have go back and watch those movies again. Done? Have you seen everything he's done? Have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? Pan's yeah, Labyrinth. Well, no, I have a Pan's Labyrinth sticker, but I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. I've seen um, the Orphanage. That's pure yeah. science fiction. Okay. Well, yeah, but it's still like you know, like he is a Mexican, uh, like he's a Mexican director and writer, yeah. and he has the opportunity, right? The yeah, same thing I'm with um, what's his name, Inarito, and the guy who did Roma. They mostly, well, especially the guy who did Roma, who I can't remember his name. Alfonso. But, like you know Cuaron. they. Yeah, Cuaron, like he writes Mexican stories and that's what Roma was. Like that Roma is a Mexican story, right? But Guillermo del Toro and Inarito, like Inarito does it to some extent, but not to the same extent that like Alfonso does and that other like actors and directors and stuff do. 
And that's frustrating, right? Because like you, they okay. do want to be recognized by the general like bigger thing and they will write white stories. But if you don't come back to your identity and tell the story of your people, then like what benefit is it that you're a good director and you're a good actor? So you know, a good I, I agree, but okay. Okay. But what frustrates me on, you know, the reverse of that, okay, is we were all excited about Miles Morales and the Afro-Latino, right? Well, I double checked. So Miles Morales is played by Shamik Moore who you might remember from the get down, he played the DJ and he is of Jamaican descent and he is African-American or considers himself African-American. There's no Latino in that Afro. Okay. So no, <laughs> but we're all excited about the representation, but it's not correct. So, I mean, again, bring me back to my original point. Why do we get so excited about the mainstream representation? It's never going to be a hundred percent correct when there's a ton of content out there that is correct. Okay. It, I have, a few things that, that I would like to say. <laughs> this is your spider fit, no, this one's been good, man. You guys are like hey, rapid fire on that shit. That's good. Okay, one, mainstream doesn't just mean white people. It doesn't have to anyways, right? No. There can be mainstream, you know, Latino, quote unquote, appreciation. Like we have a community, right? There's enough of us that we can set sort of a trend for that. I think the other thing is this. I think that, and I know that there are people, not just here, but people who are going to listen to this who are probably going to disagree with this, but I don't really care. White people write white stories. If you come from a certain perspective, that's the kind of story you're writing. Whether you want it, it can be a whole bunch of different things. See, that's that's the part about this that I think is really this discussion that's really the most interesting is that all of these directors, they're writing from a certain perspective, but they're not writing white stories. Robert Rodriguez does not write white stories, write white stories. He, he just doesn't, you know. Say it three times fast. I don't think I can. <laughs> I could barely say it twice slow. The uh, <laughs> So, I mean, but but that's the thing is that it's, you know, sometimes the stories that they write, they find widespread acceptance, you know, within a white, the white community. But that doesn't mean that that they're they're white stories. I think the other thing is, is that if you look at, I mean, in, and even in in terms of representation, I think particularly in cartoons, I don't really think it matters who voices the person. What I think it matters is who wrote it and what the perspective is that that they're writing from. And I, I will I will give you all this challenge over the next week. Find three movies, right, that are written, that the script has to be written by a Latino, like, you know, however you want to define that. And it has to be directed by a Latino, the film. If you can find three movies, and I know you can, and if you can't, let me know and I will tell you the titles. Three movies that are written, the script is written, and the film is directed by a Latino. You watch those three movies and then go find another movie that's about Latinos that wasn't written by a Latino and wasn't directed by a Latino, and you will immediately see the differences in those films. I guarantee it. It will be uh, dramatic. Book of Life and Coco just... I mean, you know, one of the old school ones, you remember Mi Vida Loca? Oh, yeah. Not written by a Latina, not directed by a Latina, written by a white woman, right? Mm -hmm. And if you stack that movie up with something, even say like Mi Familia, you know, I mean, the, the differences are, are dramatic. There's just certain things that are missing. Even if you look at like a movie like Boulevard Nights, there are all these cultural accoutrements that are around in the house but there is no explanation of culture beyond we're going to go low riding. Right. And I think that Nakano does a good job. You have this whole thing, but the more you watch, you, you intentionally watch shows and movies that are written by Latinos like Vita, the one that just got canceled by Showtime about the two sisters that open up a, that they inherit their mother's bar, I think in Boyle Heights or something like that. That's Vita. That's Vita. Yeah, right. That Vita. Yeah. I mean, an amazing show, an amazing show. And it, but it, it's amazing in the way that it's layered within the culture and within the community and in the life. Like you can tell that somebody who's from that community wrote that story. 
Or at least I can anyways. Was, was that the case with Hentified too? I didn't like that show as much. I don't know. I, I haven't Hentified, seen Vita. Yeah, I yeah. thought Hentified was kind of bunk myself. Really? Which yeah. one did you see? Which one did you see first? Uh Hentified. Oh, okay. Yep. And then and then I saw Vita. I mean, I think compared to Vita, Hentified is not a very good TV show. But I you know like Oh, go ahead. I was like going back to like Dan's point and like what you're talking about too. So I think for me as someone who grew up in a more Latino space than like y'all did, like growing up in Southern California, growing up surrounded by other Latinos and stuff like that. I think like the big thing that I want and I always want is just for our existence to be normalized and to not be like these tokenized characters, these tokenized beings. And you know, I grew up with Chicano parents, right, who forced, I guess not forced, but like who showed me a lot of Latino film and media, right? Like me and my dad, when like it's not COVID and I'm home, like we try to go to movies every Tuesday and like we talk about movies and we do all these kind of things. And like for me, it's always been a struggle because I'm like, I don't necessarily in general don't watch a ton of mainstream things, but I want for my little cousins, you know, to have our existence normalized and to be in spaces that I didn't see like of myself growing up. And so being able to like have like, you know, characters on Sesame Street, being able to have characters like Miles Morales who are popular and these are in these mainstream, like I think that's more important. That's the most important thing, at least for me, is being able to not to be a normal person, to be a normal kid and to not be tokenized in these like, especially because like I have a lot of beef because I grew up in the suburbs and I'm from Southern California. And so this like perspective of like, you know, everyone, all Latinos from Southern California grew up like in the hood in East L.A. And like that's not my experience at all. And I have yet to encounter any sort of like character in any sort of media that is like me, that, you know, has the same experiences as me, that isn't first gen low income, who isn't, you know, growing up in the hood. And I think like all that I want, even if I have to go searching for it, is someone who is like me and who looks like me and, you know, isn't stuck in these stereotypes because yeah. it, it's hard, especially as a Latina woman in general, just to find characters that look like you. But like going forward of like, okay, then how like the diversity of characters, the, you know, not just the one type of character that you see in like, you know, Hentified or in Vida or in, um, well, like on my block, like, you know, and I've always gravitated more towards like Asian American literature or Asian American movies and TV and YouTube and all that kind of stuff, because they have more similar experiences to, to me than what's portrayed and what I can find in like Latinx cinema and Latinx media. You think you think that you're, they're kind of, um, I don't disagree necessarily, but even in, in quote unquote Latino cinema, that we're still kind of repeating the same storylines and, and, and stereotypes, maybe not quite stereotypes, but the characters are being drawn from like the same experience and I think like that's like a overall problem that we have, especially like, we're talking about politics too, of like, you know, we think of Latinos as this like monolith thing. And like in reality, we're not. Like in reality, we are a whole like variety of things and spaces and likeness and stuff like that. And I think that like, you know, a ton of Latinos that I know gravitate more towards Japanese anime than any sort of like Latino film. Because like, you know, we're not going to see ourselves in like really represented in either of them. So if you're a nerd and if you're a Latino, like Latinx nerd, then you're going to gravitate more towards anime because you're not going to see yourself in either one of them. So you might as well watch something that's like more nerdy, that's more interesting. You know, this whole thing just makes me think of, you know, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy on the skateboard. What's, his, what's my man's name? Oh, What's his name? Apodaca. Apodaca, right? But what yep. they call him? They, they, that's not his, his Twitter. Oh, dog, dog face. Dog face, right? Dog, dog face. face, right? Yeah. I mean, he here, and you know, th that's kind of what we've been hearing, you know, from Cholo to, you know, um, TikTok, TikTok, right? But here he was, you know, was he really a Cholo? I, I, mean, I don't know, right? But I, yeah. that's what I'm saying, you know, but here he showed us another, another aspect 
of being, you know, Raza, you know, here he is in Idaho of all places too, right? And he's on a skateboard with Fleetwood Mac. Now, you know, he wasn't with Chalino Sanchez. He wasn't listening to Chalino Sanchez or, you know. Oldies forever, man. Like that, right? Yeah. And I think that's a lot that interests me. Maybe getting older that interests me is seeing that different perspective too, right? Some that's outside, but I don't, outside the boundaries, but. I mean, I think about Univision, even, even think about Univision, you know, during the whole uh, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, I did notice some people posting, you know, to young Latinos telling them, you know, tell your, talk to your parents, talk to your parents because your TV is showing us in stereotypical perspective. But the truth is Univision is not controlled by Latinos. Again, right. Univision is controlled by, I believe it's an Israeli company, you know? But yeah, here we are. We're giving the credit for it. I mean, so, you know, the, the thing is, and, and everybody's kind of kind of touched on this. I mean, what what we're really talking about is is culture. And I mean, you know, the more that we, the more that we look at, I think, all of these things and we think to ourselves that there's not just that that there's one way that we're being portrayed um i mean it it really what it really does i think is it doesn't just limit our imagination in terms of how we're entertained i think it limits our imagination in terms of how we interact with each other politically and how we interact with dominant society politically right because we're 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 a certain way the thing that we know right about culture is this is that culture is 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 dynamic it's always changing right when a culture stops changing then it starts dying right then it becomes tradition then it becomes like oh well, we've always done it this way or you know this is yeah we've always done it this way that's that's the death of culture right this sort of like tradition so the more that we can force it out into it you know because the thing is is that i mean if you like anime I mean, what does that make you not Chicana because you like anime, you know? I mean, and that's a rhetorical question because we all know that the answer is no, right? Um, so, I mean, but that's the thing, right? Is how do all of these things come together? And and I mean, really, you know, thinking about it in the end about um, about culture itself, I mean, there's no such thing as a, as a pure culture, whatever the fuck that could possibly mean, right? right. That there's a pure culture. So... I mean, it's the the influences that are happening, right? And and I think that, you know, as we look at it, though, we are able to recognize that there are certain things that are distinct about a certain group of people. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And we're able to draw some ideas about, you know, maybe like what authenticity is, you know, that type of thing. But I mean, in the end, yeah, quote unquote, authenticity. But in the end, I mean, it's really... You know, to, uh, so you make a great point because I think what you're saying is there's always a, a need to reinvent ourselves. Yeah. And that's exactly what I think something like, you know, uh, Richard Rodriguez, that's what we loved about him in some of his movies. He was truly reinventing how we were seeing ourselves and the type of uh, the type of movies, you know, that he that he was creating it was the one from dusk till dawn. You know, yeah. it was like, oh, what I OK. But yeah, so I agree with that 100%, you know, it's about reinventing ourselves and, you know, it's 2020. We'll and I think, I think the more, thank you, Francisco, I, I just, I think the more that we do that, the stronger we become politically. That That's yeah. actually the point I was trying to, that's what I was trying to say, but not really very well. Thank you. I heard you. I mean, and also, I think it's also, uh, uh, there. there's, as time goes on and there's more and more voices and there's more and more we break these ideas of what a quote Latino themes are or Latino characters, there begins to develop a sophistication to this, to the storytelling. Uh, there begins to become, um, you know, to where it's not just these themes from, drawn from this socioeconomic group, which we know is not the reality. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on there, but um, you start to see where sometimes maybe a Latino writer writes something that maybe isn't necessarily a Latino theme, but we can kind of catch the cultural cues, 
you see that all the time where there's these things that maybe the the, the regular audience isn't catching, but we're like, oh, I know what he's doing or I know what she's doing. Yep. You know, there's these little things. And that's cool. I'm cool with that, too, as well as I am cool with somebody telling a historical piece that has there's nothing except from our history and our culture. I mean, there's multiple ways to, to get into these stories and, 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 and express ourselves. I think some of the problem is, is that we've uh, or some of the artists kind of like, no, I got to make the story about this because this is what's going to sell. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's like, okay, let me write, you know, the, the three millionth story about a young kid growing up in the hood who's being torn by gangs and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, we've all seen that, you know, whatever. And those can be cool stories too. They can be interesting. It all depends. But uh, I think, you know, some artists tailor their, their material because they know that's what, I mean, let's face it, that's what white America wants to buy and see. Yeah. So, so like, here's my thing as growing up as someone who like didn't watch TV a lot, grew up on YouTube, watched a lot of YouTube, still media is the Asian American community and the Asian American creators on YouTube have done a phenomenal job of making their presence on YouTube and their collaborations on YouTube transfer onto, you know, quote unquote, mainstream, bigger products that have more money given to them and more influence. So like things like um, what Crazy Rich Asians, right? Like 80, probably not 85, but like, let's say like around 70% of that cast were people who started and who grew their career on YouTube. And because the Asian American community has a ton, a ton of infrastructure within it, where, you know, if you are an up and coming writer, if you're an up and coming, you know, actor, then you have spaces for you to go to, to like build up your career, build up your portfolio. So then you can move on to bigger projects, which already have Asian Americans that came from that same route in it. And I think what we're missing in the Latinx community in creating our own stories is that kind of infrastructure and that kind of space to like create a, a fluid pathway. Because right now, like the big like Latinx influencers are Lele Pons, um, oh my God, Gabe something, right? And it's like YouTubers that have been on the platform for a while, but haven't created that same sort of like, you know, kind of streamlined infrastructure to have popularity within their media and within like bigger things that they want to do. And so me coming from someone who's watched a lot of YouTube and like, you know, kind of like grew up really doing, like doing and watching, observing that, like that's the big thing where I'm always like, you know, we need to have something that's very similar to Wong Fu Productions, to ISA TV, which all of that went over y'all's heads, but like, I was like a big YouTube channel. I know a lot about, yeah, YouTube is a thing. I, and, and I think that it's, for me, like I don't watch YouTube. My kids watched YouTube. And so maybe it's a generational thing and maybe for gen sure a generational thing <laughs> watches YouTube. And, but I don't know if it necessarily for me as a casual viewer of movies and Netflix and things like that. I don't necessarily feel that I see a very large Asian American presence in film and movies, right? But that's that's my personal yeah. opinion. But I do agree with Carlos and I wanted to say because I loved when you said that we just need a little bit more sophistication. I loved how you just phrased that. It was I liked it a lot. Thank you. Yeah. I mean YouTube YouTube is its own thing. I would you know, say as somebody who uh, studies pop culture that um, I'm familiar with YouTube. I'm not an expert on it, but I'm trying to become an expert on it. I think that, but I think a lot of the things that you're, that you're talking about, uh, Carolina, really have a lot more to do with, I don't know if they have a lot more to do, but you, you can't discount just like the basic situations that the two different these are two very different communities in the basic situations that they're in i mean in terms of like uh education you know asian americans have a much higher education rate it's just the whole thing on top of which i think and this is also really important is that there's just a whole lot less of them than there are of us and i think that that also plays a role in that i mean there's a whole bunch of things that yeah. that are going on there the one thing, though, that you did say, and I do absolutely agree with you, is that 
we have to, as a community, start thinking about how it is that we support these uh, startup companies, right, that are making moves into media and doing these other things. Because, I mean, if we don't, then a lot of the conversation that we're trying to have around this is really just bullshit. Because if we're not really, like, supporting that stuff, then actually what we're really saying is we're fine with mainstream white representation of us. And, you know, I mean, it's it's all going to be okay, right? Yeah, I and mean, I think, we had the same I think we're way past that. I think we had the same conversation about politics, right? It's like you need that sort of base level support to get people's foot in the door to move up to the next level to see, to have people in positions of power to influence, you know, exactly what we want our agenda to be. And it's yeah. the same thing with media and film and all that kind of stuff. And so like, that's always been frustrating to me as someone who's like, you know, watched a ton of YouTube growing up where like I saw big communities of Asian Americans, of white folks, like creating their own like, you know, spaces and telling their own stories. And I saw none of that from the Latinx community. I think you're right. Some of it has to do with, you know, outside factors. But the other thing was that like, you know, culturally, we just don't have that same sort of like, I will help you kind of mentality. Like, I think as Latinos, we are more individualistic than other minority groups because like of the colonial structure and like, like do a whole rant on that. But like, you know, I, I think like with Asian Americans, right? It is all about family. Like it is all about community. It's all about family. And with Latinos, it is all about family. But if your family's doing better than my family, then, you know, I'm gonna try to undercut your family so my family can do better. And like, I think, you know, that's the harsh reality of like, you know, some of the culture that was forced upon us in a colonial structure. But I think once we get over that and we can help support each other, whether it's in media or politics or academia or whatever, like, I think that's when we can like finally start like building up things rather than like, you know, being stuck at this ground level of like, oh, why aren't we represented? Why aren't our things like going to X, Y, and Z, even though we're a huge majority? So I think that you're absolutely right. And I think that brings us right back to where Danny started us off at in, in the very beginning is why do we even care or why should we care or be overly concerned about whether or or not whether or not, but how we're represented in mainstream white media? I mean, I, I think it does, you know. So, so then the question is the question then, because many times before something becomes a TV show or a series, there's a book. So do we have the Latino authors out there producing these? We do. You know, that's, that's a topic that we've talked about before. Yeah. And in and education, like it's it, you, know, uh, you know, there's there's a, a big void in the, you know, like, what do you, they call it? The teen reading? YA. YA. Young, yeah. I love YA books, man. Right. I just bought a new one. So excited to read it. <laughs> and, and I think- You know, but to, to celebrate at the same time, Talking musically, we do see though us making some very great roads, you know, with uh, musically with media in that regards, where you have, I think, bands who are reinventing themselves while keeping tradition and culture, but yet bringing new elements, such bands as Oso Matli, Santa Cecilia, yeah, you know, where, where they're taking, they're Chicano taking, Batman, yeah, Come Chicano on, Batman, man. yeah, they're, yeah. you know, I think they're doing great things too. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm, I really want to watch Mucho Mucho Amor that's on Netflix right now. I'm really excited to see that. Um, there's a, I don't know if it's out or not yet, but there was a new series on Netflix too about Selena that I'd be interested oh, in. Oh, right. yeah, I yeah. saw that it was coming out. I'm excited what for that. Think, like somebody said it, like it's there. I think yeah. we just have to really like look at it and amplify it. I I think we need to celebrate it, right? Like we don't talk, we talk a lot about how we're not there, but we, we, are, so where are we, right? We're not, not there. We're not, not there. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I also, I also think that what's beginning to happen is, you know, a lot of the media or a lot of the corporations, I mean, you can even say something like uh, Netflix or Amazon or these, they, they've looked at numbers and people are, are also telling them like, you need to get in on this market. If you yeah. don't, if you don't get in on this market, 
you're losing a huge chunk of revenue. And I think that initially they, they're kind of what's beginning to happen is they're beginning to uh, better than they used to hire the right people who are basically kind of like saying, yeah, what you've done before is garbage. Like it's, it's a bunch of stereotype. It's just crap. It's not, doesn't have any depth. It's no whatever. So little by little, I think they're beginning to say, okay, let's hire these screenwriters that know how to do it right. Or let's hire some of these directors or let's, so independent filmmaker has a, a, a theme that we would have never thought about because we don't even know about it because it's not in our community. Yeah. There's beginning to be a higher caliber. And I think it's simply because they they're beginning to realize like one, we need to tap in this market and two, uh, what we think they want to buy isn't necessarily what they want to buy. That's like right. they want to see much more intelligent, uh, much more, you know, in-depth work that isn't a bunch of stereotyped crap. And so I, I do see a little bit of things getting better. Like the other day I was on Netflix and even on Amazon and I'm like, okay, wow. I didn't know they'd have something like this or wow. I didn't, you know, especially in the area of documentaries, I've been seeing some really interesting stuff on, on, on documents. So yes. I, I still think we need our own independent. We need this, you know, we need our own product. We need all of that. And, and I think they're, they're, they're getting there. They're growing They're They are there. But like Danny was putting in the chat, like that documentary with Los Tigres del Norte at Folsom Prison, that was like really good. Yeah, that was really badass. That was hell yeah. So did good. they do any? Did they do any Johnny Cash songs? Yeah, I think they did. They, yeah. yeah, they did. They sure did. It's yeah. based off of an album that they did. Yeah. And so, and two, I think, not to be on Netflix jock, but they're also <laughs> bringing in all of these telenovelas from Latin America, Latin right? America. So there's a bunch of like Colombian telenovelas that I love that are on there now that are really good and they're translating them and also have um, the translate the, the words. I don't know what the words on the screen are. Subtitles. <laughs> Thank you. And they're also <laughs> as well. They got the words on the screen too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't remember what that one. So it's, I think that there are a few places that are doing some really great, like HBO has really amazing Spanish language stuff that's happening. Maybe not, you know, Latino in the U.S., but a lot of like Spanish language stuff that's coming from some of our home countries. I think even the, even they're trying to like, yeah, like I, I haven't rented it yet or gotten it yet because I don't have Showtime. They did that, uh, like, was it the Penny Dreadful? Mm-hmm. Uh, where they did the whole thing out of LA. Have y'all seen that? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very well done. Yep. Yeah, and they and they actually uh, the one or two episodes I've seen, they actually went into some in depth like labor history, some things that happened in the Chicano community at in that 1930s period, and I mean well, it was you can you can always rebuilt and about how people were. Um, taken out of their homes and neighborhoods were knocked down to build the highways. Yeah, yeah. You you can always tell when there's a Chicano studies uh, major on the writing team. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can because you're just like, oh yeah, right, bam, that, bam, that. Yep, yeah, because the history's oh. there. I mean, white folks do it for themselves all the time. They just sure. casually drop that shit in all the time, right? It's like Christianity. Christianity yeah. is dropped into everything, man. I mean, yeah. It's it's everywhere, you know, in terms of the TV shows and the movies and all that kind of stuff. Just remember, so, like what uh, Dr. Melendez said, whenever there's a garden, it's a reference to Eden. There you go. <laughs> all right, you guys, we should wrap this one up, man. This was. This I was, feel like we should wrap good. it up with like what what we think media people should consume that is Latinx that we really like. Either that or your favorite line from one of these movies, huh? or your favorite show, or something. <laughs> okay. Who wants to start? I'll start. I can start. Oh, I want to go right now? Go ahead, Ryan. Sure. Then Carolina. The only thing I got to say is, Bichette, don't text. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I'll do it for my favorite book. It's called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Um, and Dante is talking to his mom. And his mom goes, um, I'm still Mexican, even though I'm a nurse, like, because I'm smart, it doesn't disqualify, disqualify me from being Mexican. And like, I live by that quote. I love that quote. All right. 
Francisco? Um, one of my favorite lines, it's better work, it's better to rob a liquor store than to work at one. Can no I say? Can it deliver? Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, I got a bad story about stand and deliver. <laughs> Alex. So I love Mommy Dearest. <laughs> and so I love old black and white movies. And so um Joan Crawford, you know, no more wire hangers. So <laughs> all right. Beat you with that wire hanger. <laughs> Alex, did you see that show about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis? No, a, I haven't. I you haven't. You gotta watch it. It was good. Yep. All right. So, sir. Okay, I'm gonna name a TV show and a movie. Okay. Movie on Netflix, Como Caído del Cielo. It's about um, Pedro Infante um, came back to life to right the wrongs he did as a man. And I'll give I you a heard quote about that. from. That uh, sounds good. Yeah, I'll give you a quote from Pedro uh, Infante. He um, was asked by a reporter if he was married, and he said, no, but my wife is. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, hey, I didn't say it. Classic. Yeah. The movie's based on that quote. Let's say that. Um, All right. And then a TV show, you mentioned HBO, Alex. Um, Los Spookies is a comedy. Los Spookies is good, yeah. Yeah, it's a comedy about a group of people who um, their business is to scare people. They get paid. To, they're like a, a troop of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's it's a quirky it kind of show. With Fred Armistead in it, and I didn't know yeah. he was Latino, so it was. Oh yeah, yeah, big, yeah. What What's the name of the show? Los Espookies. Los Espookies. Los Espookies. Okay. Yeah. And and then Carlos. Oh, I'll go back into a real bad movie. Uh, but hey, I say. The Vato was just doing his pinchy job. Ah, yes, American me. <laughs> Don't look at me, little puppet. <laughs> I, I remember that line. That line is classic and it cracked me up. But I was like, why did you say pinchy? Like, is that how they say it in California? Because over here we say pinche. So what's going on with that line? <laughs> I don't know. There is that how go. they say it in California? They do funny things no. in California. <laughs> okay. But I don't know. I don't either. I don't have a line, but I will say this: if y'all want to see a good movie, you should watch Sleep Dealer. That's 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 what's up right now. Sleep Dealer. It's kind of it's a uh, I think it's like 2010 or something like that, but it's basically you know the the Mexican uh, U.S. border is shut down. They build these big plants in Mexico where people can plug into them. And then they operate remotely uh, uh, robots here in the United States to do labor. So it's um, oh, yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. What was that it's called again? It's called sleep, the dealer. sleep Dealer, not the just Sleep Dealer. Sleep Dealer, all right. Yeah, Sleep Dealer. Where can you find that, man? Uh, you should be able to um, hold on a second. You should buy it because it is a Latino film, and you should I'll give money it. to uh, Latino filmmakers. Hey. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's what Carolina just said. That that is yeah, true. I'm down for it. Just but I think I think you can rent it on Prime. I feel like every time I've seen it, I had to rent it, on, and I rented it on Prime. But you should watch Sleep Dealer. That's some. It's sick. Because the other thing is, is that you can also be like, "Dang, it looks like this is where this is totally headed to." Like if they could figure out a way to make to connect people's minds to these machines, they would just shut it all down. Hey, homie, I'm getting tired of dudes just getting over on the rasa. This is for the Rasa. This is the reality dysfunction.